0: Views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan and Everton. Stink as they lose 4-1 at home to Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton score four goals away for the first time in their top flight history. Meanwhile, Everton suffer their heaviest home defeat since 2021, December 2021, to be specific in the Merseyside Derby. Most of you will remember that as also being 4-1 a disaster in just about every single way imaginable. I think that's fair to say before we get into dissecting the disaster and where Everton go from here. Just a reminder that if you enjoy the show more than you like watching Everton, which I mean, hopefully you're not at this saying much. <laughs> Please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Much appreciated. Uh, it's what keeps us going through the hard times. And uh, join our discord invite.gg ATP. If you want to commiserate with some other blues, it is a feisty place this evening and will be likely for the coming days. Um, and that's about it. Let's get into it, Ryan. Before we waste too much time, we'll go with instant match reactions from Twitter. The first thing I want to
0: say is prayers out to Demar Hamlin, Pittsburgh kid. Uh, went Central Catholic, Pittsburgh. Played a Pitt for five years. Got to the NFL not because he was some phenomenally gifted athlete, because he was smart, hardworking, tremendous character. Prayers up for that guy. I hope he's okay, man. He's one of the good ones. So uh, moving right along on that one, I'm opening with this one because the the gloves are off today um nebula 1979 friend of the program brands was 100% right i mean this this is the rot in the case of a football club starts from the top frank learning on the job with a questionable managerial ceiling plus a weak squad is just a symptom easy for those truly responsible for this disaster to hang the blame on him it's worked before and yeah it does feel like this is a critical moment a culmination of of a lot of bad decisions and uh the one thing I, I the reason why i wanted to put this in here is a lot of people in the past said they were mad at their they're like well brands he a lot of people are critical of brands number one because he was different because he was well dutch he was a little bit straightforward and abrasive at times and and people were upset with him at the club because he wanted to change things well yes yes he did and and Instead of embracing that, we have people out there literally call would call him like an idiot, like he didn't know what he was doing. People that actually knew people at the club, I don't think he knows what he's doing. Oh, really? He Doesn't know what he's doing? I mean, what are you talking about? He has the track record; it's proven. So, anyway, my point I'm saying that is that everyone said, "Well, he should have quit if he didn't have authority at, at Director of Football." It's a good thing he didn't because if he didn't, if he did quit, you know what you had last January. Think about it, man. The last time we've had a chance to spend, we didn't spend much this summer. Not really. Um, We didn't spend the summer before hardly at all. We did spend in January relative to the league. And what did we do? We spent about 30 million pounds on Mikolinko and Patterson after selling Dean. And much of this is board created because they were throwing out cash like crazy. Brands tried to stop some of that. He didn't Um, maybe stop some of it. And some of the stories I've heard about recruitment, too, about the, the guys that have tried to stop the recruitment that happened because the structure wasn't there, because the managers would insist on players. Solomon Rondon's a classic example. And we were fine about Saul as, as, as an option. But you look at the other guys out there that we wanted that would have been our choice instead. Look at right back. We paid 12 million pounds leading up to 16 million, and we had Livermento done. Now, he, he's torn his knee up, but the kid was phenomenal. And Dumfries was the backup, and we had that one, too. People are like, no, I heard it's not really done. Dude, we had it done. It could have been done whenever we wanted it to. He had agreed and everything. So that's my point I'm trying to make. you know, In lieu of some individual savior coming out there, you know, it's a greater issue here. But, and we'll get into the game in a second. Sorry, that rant's over. James, back to you. Instant reaction.
1: No, it's okay. I mean, if you haven't got the the hint already, folks out there, this is going to be more of a reflection on the current state of Everton more so than an analysis of that particular match. And I think you spoke really well there, Ryan. And And we have great
0: listener comments, too, at the end that we We want to get to quickly, too, because I think it, it provokes great
1: conversation. We do. We do. And I went with my instant match reaction. I went with Jackson underscore bugle, who said, thank God I was on a plane for the second half of the match is all I have to say. That and our quote-unquote brilliant center-back partnership got bullied by an 18-year-old. And yeah, I think most of the Everton squad got bullied today to, to some extent. One way or the other, it was a complete bloodbath. Um, and some of that is due to the... the t- I mean, the manager has to shoulder some of the blame today because in, in a lot of ways we kind of played right into Brighton's hands. Um, and with that said, Ryan, let's get into to Brighton's lineup here.
0: Yeah, happy to do that. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> It's not their strongest lineup. I mean, Troussard and McAllister on the bench. Uh, McAllister still probably on his high from Argentina. He did come in later. Webster and Welbeck are still injured. I mean, they're fairly shorthanded. Moises Casido, we talked a lot about him on the pod at one point. would love to see him playing in our midfield today. Anyway, um, he's back in for them, which is a bummer because he had a suspension last week. Um, I mean, Lalana. they put him on the bench and they put 18-year-old Evan Ferguson starting. It's his first, I think, Premier League start at center forward. They even had Veltman at right back for Lamptey. By the way, that sub alone should give you a hint what Zerbe wanted to do today because you've read a lot about their possession. They're a possession-based team, but they do some unique things about it. But anyway, I thought it was very interesting in contrast today because the Everton changes were were very English and
1: Brighton is not English. They are not English. (laughs) Everton... Seemed to want to be very English, but was not able to play Anthony Gordon today. Frank wasn't due to the lingering illness, apparently. He does do away with the back five and elects to go back to a 4-3-3 of sorts, bringing in Tom Davies to replace the suspended Amadou Onana. No Abdullah Decore, question mark. Is he gone? We'll see. Um, So it seems like in the pecking order right now, Tom Davies is rated over Decore, Connor Cody rated over both Mina and Godfrey. I think Mina and Godfrey both on the bench. Interesting lineup decision from Frank. And, you know, you all saw the results. So no need to hash that out too much at this point, Ryan. But the tactical setup is where things get interesting today.
0: This is where I think Frank's going to get accused of some naivete. Um, and we've seen it a lot. When he's at home, he wants to come out of the gates like crazy. And we had some early success, but it was fleeting. And you could see that, you know, this team isn't going to miss that many passes that early unless we strike quick. We're in trouble. So the way DeZerby has his team typically set up is it's almost always 4 two, three, one. But the 3-1 stays up pretty high in the build out. and The two D-mids get really deep. And there's a big space there. That's intentional. And he gets all his defensive players are very close together. It's very strange to see sometimes, but it's really unique. And with their guys, they can actually pass it. Now, Colville's not necessarily the best passer, but he's okay. His left foot's all right. Uh, Dunk can really pass it. Veltman's decent on the ball. Estupiden is just a super athlete. But the key there is Gross and Casido. Both those guys drop deep. They're phenomenal on the ball. They're excellent passers. When when I was scouting Casito two years ago, my comment, like my tagline was immediate possession stud. If you put him on your team, he's press resistant and position plus like uh, possession plus that literally is what he gives a team in the midfield. And that's exactly what what happened today. Uh, and think about that. God Webster wasn't there today because that guy can pass the heck out of the ball. It'd been even worse. Um, but yeah, they invite the pressure. That's what they want. So unless you are really, really disciplined, you did the same thing as to swallow too. Like, unless you are super, super disciplined and really rigid and very intelligently designed, they are going to break your pressure. Now, sometimes you might get them. They give up some goals. I get it. But, um, that's what we saw today. Nine key passes between Gross and Casito today. Nine, nine. Gross had six too. Which is great because Casino, by the the time we got a little tired from the press, Casino could sit back and just spray it all over the place.
1: Yeah, and it felt like, you know, and we'll we'll touch on the timeline in a second, but Brighton in attack wanted to do exactly what Man City seemed intent on doing earlier or late last week. And that is go right down the right side, pick on Alex, will still playing on the right and namely Nathan Patterson. Um, We'll talk about the goals, but their first goal complete disaster and Patterson just looked completely out of his depth in a lot of ways and and yeah the i don't know well let's wait Ryan let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back and get into the timeline all right i restrained myself before the break but let's get into the timeline now Ryan and talk about kicking things off we started out goodison decent atmosphere we wanted to come out full tilt really get the crowd on our side and then it but but Even watching that, I was like, okay, good start, promising. We get a couple decent chances. We're pressuring them really high, but they felt it it still felt like they were okay with it. They were comfortable with the pressure, and that's what they like. And it was only a matter of time before all it takes is one. They break the press once, where our back line is not good when caught out in space, caught up high, and uh, they certainly showed us how that's supposed to go.
0: And and look, it was effective. They they fumbled the ball quite a bit early, you know, and and naturally, a team doesn't know exactly how you're going to pressure them. I'm sure they were probably a little surprised that it was so gung-ho. Um, first eight minutes, we look great. 58% possession, two shots to zero. We'll be with a big chance. But this is the problem. A lot of people are going to say, well, we came out of the box so good. We
1: look so good. What happened? <laughs> We've How many times have we seen that this year, though? Especially at home, James. So often, and it feels like, okay, but we're n- we're never able to sustain that level. of And no team can. You can't no just press can. all out 100% for 90 minutes. It just doesn't work. And so all they had to do was bide their time, deal with the pressure a little bit, and honestly just use it as a training exercise and eventually break us down.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, it's not like it wasn't effective. There's nothing wrong with coming out like that, but you still got to have some discipline.
1: And we didn't have it uh, after eight minutes. And if we had managed to finish a couple of the chances that we created from the press. Okay, totally different game, totally different story. Then we're defending a lead and maybe the tactics can shift. But when it doesn't pay off, you've then made a huge gamble and you've left yourself open. I mean, there was one play very early on. It probably wasn't in the first eight minutes, but maybe the first shortly before their goal. James Tarkowski was out trying to make a tackle almost in their final third. That is not a winning recipe for this Everton team if you've got your center halves who are slow and lumbering, pushing up that high, trying to win the ball. And that's the difference right there, James. I think you nailed it.
0: There are some sides, maybe some Frank sides in the past, that could be a little more expansive. When you've got Tamori in the championship playing center back, <laughs> right? But actually, he even got exposed sometimes at Chelsea when when Thiago Silva came in because he insisted on playing a back four. And Thiago's not as quick as he used to be, even though he reads the game phenomenally well. And he's great on the ball. And that team was already so much better on the ball than we were. And we we're were we loose on the ball. We have some guys that maybe aren't as strong on it as as... As they should be, but look, Brighton were very content to pass it around on that left side. You're right; they did miss a couple passes, but they still stuck with it. I mean, look, Casito led the team in 84 touches. Estupiñan had 82. Left back, Colwell had 78. He's at left center half. Gross had, had 68. Duncan only at 57. So, I mean, those guys are playing around with the ball on the left, and they were content to attack that way. And sure enough, you're right, James. In the 14th, and I'll say this. Brighton doesn't always just counter right away, too. That's not really their style. Deserve, typically, what he does is he'll play around with it. He'll break the press and then he tends to bring it back to hold on to the ball. They're not le- necessarily a counter attacking team, but obviously, if the chance is there, they're going to go for it. This one is also, I, you know, I can't really fault Frank on this one. But I think it was inevitable anyway, even if we played a good 10-15 minutes like we have in the past. Eventually, it'll come back to bite us if we don't capitalize. In this one, Casino makes a great cross-pitch pitch pass to the left wing. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that was some Freudian slip right there. <laughs> um, it was. And it's a good pass. It's a dangerous pass. You put Patterson to a decision, but what is he doing here? I mean, he comes flying out and misses the ball. Once he does that, I mean... Matoma cuts inside. He's one-on-one. I will say this, though. If you want the illustration that just to show exactly the type of player and the restrictions that Connor Cody has as a center half, this is it. I mean, James, he's backing from the player when the player's already in the box. You have to step up and try and close down on him. I mean, I'm sorry. If you get beat, you get beat. But, like, if you can't close down and defend someone in space, I mean, unless you're playing, you know, hoofball. Counterattack like we did against Man Which, City. How good are you as a center half? And I just, this is, it's, it is what it is, right? I,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's just really poor defending on two, on two individuals. It's, it's on Patterson. Patterson's fault. I mean,
0: it's Patterson's yes, bad decision,
1: yes. but I mean, Cody does him no favors here at all. But there were warning signs even before that. I mean, Mikolenko had been rinsed a couple times up to that point. Yeah. Patterson Patterson's trying to be on the front foot, be aggressive, just misjudges his timing by half a yard, and lets the lets Matoma in against our center halves. And as you said, Cody backs off. And then he, the way he, he – the change of direction is just glacial. It is so slow. I know. Cuts, beats him. We're down 1-0. Everyone's all – Uh, everyone, including myself, who was kind of gung ho about the exciting start and the high, high pressure. Okay. Well now we have to actually score uh, and we're down and we have to fight back. And uh, well, needless to say, we didn't do that, but we did get to half at one nil in, you know, we, in theory, could come back from that deficit. It's not impossible. And it wasn't that one-sided as far as stats go.
0: It wasn't. I mean, really, other than the aerials, which was 9-1, to because we kept playing into their back line pointlessly. I mean, McNeil and Patterson crossing the ball, which part of that's lack of timing on Dominic calvert Loom, but it just does not seem like there's any real design in the final third. I mean, there's very few orchestrated movements. A couple times we had a couple nice one-touches, but our insistence... And there, here's the other thing, man. Look, if they're attacking 46% of the time down the left side, we were attacking 45% of the time down the right side. Please explain that to me. Why on earth would you attack with Patterson and McNeil when you have Gray on the left side? Flip a Wolvie over to the left. He continues to play him to the right. I think you have something if you've got a Wolvie and Gray. And yeah, Veltman's a good defensive player, but he's a big guy. He's not quick in space. And it didn't look like he was killing Damari when Damari had him isolated. So don't go at a stupid. And he's like one of the quickest and most athletic guys on the freaking planet playing left back. That drove me crazy. But you're right. The signs were there, too. I mean, Patterson doesn't even check his shoulder. Matoma goes over for a header and missed that one early. How about the hospital pass he gave McNeil? Dear Lord. Now, the only interesting thing in the first half was all the shoving and fouling, and Tark looked like he was going to beat someone's head in several times. and He did. And a lot of that's amusing and everything when it's only one nothing a little bit. Not really when you're losing. But you know what? Like, I... I wish we had more people that fight like, God, I hate that attitude though. I mean, at one point, dear Lord, you got to play football. And, and the thing is coming into the second half, right? James, like we've said it many times on the pod, not too often have we come out of the second half and really made adjustments and looked, looked different. It's happened a couple times, but it really hasn't happened that often. And I think that's a fair critique of the, of the manager. And I, I don't know if it was just, we weren't ready to play or there wasn't a tactical adjustment here, but, um, boy the uh first 10 minutes of the second half were not our friend
1: yeah namely the the five minutes straight out of hell in which Brighton just destroyed us in every sense oh. of the word put up three goals in the between the 51 and the 51st and the 56th bloodbath I mean comedy of errors on this too I mean the first yeah. one is stupid on
0: makes a nice pass into Sarmiento Ghana misses a tackle and, and Ghana was off although I mean my he God. Was. Well, I mean, but he still made five interceptions, two tackles. I mean, he was really the only one defensively. By the way, this is your problem with one single defensive mid on this team. He can't cover all that space. So if you want him to go forward at all, like this is what I saw at Chelsea all the time, too, with um, and, and look, gone is a good player. But he's not the greatest defensive mid of all time, which is basically who they had, who's covering all the space. I mean, he gets beat behind him, barely just misses the tackle. But then what the heck comes out? Tark comes out. Somehow Sarmiento gets a low cross under him. Okay, unfortunate. By the way, everyone crucified Decore for letting that happen on the counter and Wolves. I would like to see people say the same thing about Tarkowski. They won't, but they could. But what boggles my mind is here, Mikolinko leaves leaves his man, who's sitting there, the center forward, right on the spot, I guess because he thought Cody, who didn't really track back all that hard... And it's just easy. Pass it under Tark and he just pops it in. I mean, you can't leave the center forward here. If you cross the ball all the way over his head and he scores on the back post, bravo. But I I think Michelinco can't lose his guy here. And it'd be nice if Tark didn't let the cross through. But that happens. I mean, it's 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 not good. It's not the worst goal, though. (laughs) The next two are
1: undoubtedly much worse. Yeah. except The third one.
0: The third one. I mean, how does Cody miss this ball, by the way? It didn't look like one of those things like you're playing on turf and the ball bounced and everyone misjudged it.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And then it goes out to the right. Mikalenko has the has Solly Marsh passes him on to Tark Tarkowski on this play. I mean, that is what is that? Man? I mean, he slipped, but then like know, the reaction the, to dive like the little the, there's a fish just you to look do like the bare minimum to just the little tiny lunge with his head as if that's going to do something. I guess he's still trying, but my God, it's horrible. <laughs> Miko takes the overlap. Ghana and Cody trying to block. So much time, no one closing him down, and just buries it. Buries it. Three 0 ta- game done. Goodbye. Let me tell you
0: one thing I cannot stand is this and Tark did it on the on the uh Tark did it on the what did he do it on this one? No. No, he did it on the first goal, I think, where he runs straight back into the goal. By the way, in the first goal, if Tark cuts off his guy and goes at the ball carrier, he actually puts him to a decision. Like why Cody does the same thing here, jumps into the goal. Like uh, I get that. I know it's kind of old-school defending, but... Let's put all 11 guys in the net. They'll I mean, that's score. what it feels like, for heaven's sakes. I mean, Pick also kind of gets caught behind the screens. I mean, I, sometimes he does that and stays central. I wish he'd maybe take a chance and go to the corner, but I can't blame him for this one. It's a point-blank shot. The fourth goal, I mean, the Ghana back pass. I don't know what's going on here. Clearly, he had a mix-up with him and Pickford. But what's unbelievable about this, it's a ridiculous chip by Gross. Yeah, it but, is. But how many Premier League left-backs don't get to the ball because Mikalinko chases it down and kind of whiffs on it. I mean, Estupiden is there and probably, you know, trapping the ball, maybe autographing it, doing some keepy upsies. And it's a problem, you know, it's just a shame because Miko's not that bad a player, but the athleticism is simply not there and his ceiling's limited as a result. You just would expect to get more for 17, 18 million. But again, that's what happens when you do business without a, anyone involved in football recruitment i mean who the heck bought those guys we had no one there it was like bill i guess i don't know who did it but anyway that was it you know and then it came the match is over earlier than that honestly but this is just so that's five minutes james three goals in five minutes and like the crowd is going crazy booze everywhere and i don't blame him.
1: yeah and after frank had made this you know plea in his manager notes about how much an impact the fans can make and you and it's like everyone wants to be positive and cheer. You saw that in the opening 10 minutes, but then the team just puts out this abject disaster of a display, concedes three goals in five minutes, and the most devoted fan base on earth is not going to be able to stomach that and, and smile through their teeth there. And it just got it got really, really nasty um very quickly. And the booze that rang out after that fourth goal, understandable. Don't begrudge anyone for it. Well deserved. Um don't think it helps things necessarily, but people are entitled to vent their frustration. I was certainly furious watching it um just disgraceful and then we get you know i think it gets I, worth
0: though, james honestly i think there's a sense of apathy now that yeah. i think is the worst part like it's one thing to get angry you know but i think there are legitimately some people that are just resigned to defeat i mean it's that yeah. bad which which to me is just i mean that to me is the most ridiculous thing ever you know the worst part about it is too after the goals like they still outshot us eight to four they yeah. still had the ball
1: 50, 55% of the time. I mean, we, yeah, like we can talk about the subs. He brings to Corey in price <laughs> well, what is on. I, in I don't even 58. want to talk. Him,
0: I mean, yeah, it's good to see the young guys get in, but explain that to me. Like Davies doesn't play well. So you sub into Corey. Well, maybe she has started him. Maybe that would have been a good idea. You know? So what the rumors are, he's off. Maybe if he's gone, who the heck's going to play in the midfield on this team? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. Right. I, right. I'll tell you what. I, I thought losing a lawn was a mistake. I said that then, and I'll say it again. And uh, I mean, if you're not going to get much of a fee for him, who cares? That's someone who at least could get get on the ball on this team and show some composure. We are so bad on the ball, fumbling all over the place. But anyway, yes, we do get a late consolation play. I guess here helps with goal differential.
1: Yeah, it's Wobi the hustle. I mean, credit to him, I guess, for still still hustling that late into stoppage time. But really, that's such a low yeah. bar. And uh, he does well to draw the penalty. And Gray does well to finish it. He honestly. Thought Sanchez might have been able to make a save there, but uh, Gray wasn't. Gray's great on those. I mean, he's, he, he so thumps much it, man. man oh, it he thumps
0: it. It's unbelievable for little do. But I mean, the XG bounces us up. I mean, we finish at one point two one. Point
1: seven six is the penalty. So. Yeah. So
0: basically we're like under 0.5 against two point three eight for Brighton. I mean, that's as bad as a beating. And by the way, there's no way that does that. Definitely takes our expected goals against to worst in the league. I'm so. T- I mean. This is called regression, folks. That's yep. what it looks like. And everyone's sitting there it talking about how our defense is still so freaking good. And he makes a call and puts Cody in. He goes with both those guys together. And we get diced like you wouldn't believe he can't continue with Patterson to eventually he subbed him out. And hopefully he's not hurt. I mean, I don't wish any will on the guy. And it's not Patterson. He's just a kid. You yeah, know Yeah, I mean, right. It's, he's it's, he has talent.
1: In, I mean, you know, it's not exactly the most original thought, but I was thinking it is like, We needed a right back for years and years. We didn't do it. And then what do we do? We replace him with a kid who's just so out of his depth in this league. Just so out of his depth, unfortunately. It's not his fault. I don't don't blame him. But that first play and really the last three games have really highlighted the kid's just not up for it at
0: this level. No, and, and the thing is, his athleticism is there. You can see some skill and yeah. some ideas when he runs with it. He has a burst. He has size. All the things that you saw in film. But you're, it's not fair to the kid. I mean, you can't go from playing in Rangers where you don't defend at all. And he wasn't really playing because their best player was their right back. Mostly he played left back at times just to get in the pitch, get on the pitch. And the guy that started just a handful of matches and never really had to defend there at all even in Scotland he played it as a wing back so to ask him to come in here and defend as much as he did is is just not you can see why at one point frank suggested maybe he should go out for loan which you're like what you spend that much money on him and god forbid i say this cuz every i mean it's unbelievable i made one critical comment of him online the other day against wolves and i've got like half of scotland after me i love scotland <laughs> i've been there i mean spent a lot of time there it's not about that um, it's not. It's oh, just. It's funny. not a referendum on the guy. It's not like his future is is damned or anything. It's just that yeah. he's just a kid, you know. And and, and it's not, not what we need
1: right now. It's he's not, not
0: putting him in a good situation either to succeed. No. And I think that's probably the biggest issue for him. And no, it is. It is not fair. Um, did we have any good performances?
1: Craig got the penalty. <laughs> Obi won hey, the penalty Gray was okay, tidy in some moments. Um, yeah, he
0: was loose at other times, too. I mean, it felt like the pitch was almost, like, wet at times. I, mean, it it it, I
1: mean, wet, obviously. I mean, it was pouring, so, yeah, it was a little wet. Yeah, it was a little slippery. Yeah, I mean, it had something to do with it. Um, That's the analysis people come to the spot
0: for. <laughs> it looked wet. That's what they pay me for, right? You know, <laughs> Ryan Williams, sucker analysis. Um, Yeah, the uh, Gray looked okay. He was about the only threat the whole time. Dom still
1: looked and that What's crazy about that is, sorry to interrupt you, but no, go. he did look like our only threat. Really, not that surprisingly, but the fact that we still attack mostly down the right, even with that being yeah. the case, I mean, explain that to me. And the thing is, everyone wants to bag on
0: McNeil. He's the whipping boy. Now I heard a couple of times actually early. I thought he had some tidy little service inside that Dom didn't seem to react to. So but, but he hasn't played on the right with Dom yet. Hasn't played really at all. I mean, I, he played him on the left the other day. I don't I just don't know what we're doing with him. Um, and I don't understand Awobi over there, too, because Awobi wants to play in the half space. But McNeil, you you picked a lefty out there who's predominantly left-footed that wants to get in the half space, and now they're occupying the same space. And you're not freeing up the wing for Patterson. Did you see him crossing the ball today? Oh, my heavens. He's better brutal. than that, too. But it was yeah. brutal again today. A um, lot of bad performances. To me, the, the whole back line is the one. I mean, Ghana, like I said, put up the numbers. He wasn't great. He, he, you're asking Ghana to just do the impossible, though, with Davies and Awobi
1: in front of him. I mean, right. Just, how do you not go with... <laughs> <clears throat> Why he let Davies run around I and mean, we'll actually let's just get into the we said no, not really any goods the bads. You said the whole back line. Sorry, I won't, I won't. Yeah, they were terrible. I mean, every single one of them made big mistakes today.
0: I mean, Tark is the best out of the four, but he has his issues as well. And the flop like a fish, not entirely his fault. He just slips. It happens. But like Michelinco, had some bad plays today. Patterson was just completely just out of his elements and Cody, like I said, just shouldn't be playing. Um, I love how people are begging for us to exercise that option. I said it from day one. (laughs) We're not going to exercise the option and I hope we don't, but it depends. Like if Frank goes, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, What's your bad? Because I I know you had a little bit of a target here, but there are so many bad performances. You know, who are you going to pick?
1: Yeah. Pick a name out of the head. Close your eyes, throw a dart at the team sheet. I picked Tom Davies. Just look, if you're going to play Tom Davies over Decoré using him basically like he's used Onana to try to kind of push up and have Ghana be the deeper guy. The only way Tom Davies works in this setup, I think, is if you let him just be the deep guy that's sitting deep and being disruptive off the ball, let him run around and free up a Awobi and Ghana to do more on the ball. But, People
0: say that, but he doesn't have the discipline to play that.
1: But yes, if you're going to have the ball the whole match, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, He can pass. I, I don't think he belongs to this team anyway, but like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He needs to have a very limited, very clearly explain an articulated role that's simple enough for him to execute and pressing high and running all over the place is not it it ain't i mean it. It, if he had the freedom to do that and everyone else's discipline maybe it is and there are a couple of times where he was
0: aggressive and kicked some people yeah. and won a ball or two i mean it wasn't completely an abject failure if he's being asked to do that but i mean it's just not that great james i mean that's yeah, it. Yeah. And 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 no one seems to have really fit into the structure yet um Okay, let's get in the summary here. I mean, ultimately, the story of the game here is I mean, we really got killed by a B-plus, maybe, side. Uh, you know, get uh, Brighton at home. But think about it. I mean, this is probably the only time in Brighton's entire history, this is like 120, 140 years of football, when these guys have been consistently better than us for a year or two. I
1: yeah. Mean, yeah.
0: says it, it all right? And, and so I, I like this one, um, Jim Kiogan, I guess, uh, underscore Kiogan. Did anyone in the Everton coaching staff set up bother to watch any of Brighton's games this season thinking we could boss them? Was managerial suicide massively underestimated and exceptionally capable side? So, look, I've got no problem people making decisions on how to attack teams, how to defend teams. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes it's just execution. I've seen enough of Frank's teams where I don't mind the pressure and stuff, but like we get too expansive when we pressure, there's too much space in behind our press and it gets people one V one versus our defensive back line. And I got to admit, James, I think this is the exact wrong thing to do against this team, especially where we're at. Um, I felt like this was one of those early games with Frank last year where we just got picked apart because we were ultimately naive. We are not organized and smart enough as a pressuring pressing team, uh, nor have we had consistent lineups long enough to do that against a team like this, especially with those two guys playing in the double pivot in the back. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It just felt like this was Frank. Okay, let me get the crowd on my side. We'll come out. We'll blow the doors off and maybe get an early goal, and we'll we'll rest on it. And they did not react well to even like the first the first sign of adversity. Like as soon we we took the initial move, and then the second Brighton showed anything going the other direction. That was basically <laughs> curtains for us. They showed any kind of guile against the press, and then it just all fell apart. And it felt, I agree, and, pretty naive to try to play that way, me, even if it is at home.
0: And for me, to be perfectly honest, what I what I would like to see is pull them out a little bit because, yes, those defensive mids are good and Casito can break up play pretty well. But ultimately, um, I, I want our guys to have a couple chances off a counter going against that defensive line because I don't think Colville's that quick or good 1v1. Dunk's okay. Beltman's okay, too. But like, I like our chances in that, and we just didn't... I know, Frank, you're right. I think you got it right, James. Like, he feels like it's at home, momentum, goodness and roar. And I I just don't think that was the right way to go at these guys uh, at all. And so I think Jim's point is a fair one. Um, all right. <laughs> I think James kind of leads us into the rest of the dialogue here, doesn't he? The yeah, other he James, not you, James. Yes,
1: not me, but uh, great name. James Gardner, regular contributor and friend of the show at J.R. Gardner 91. Poses the question, where do we go from here? I'm sure many of you out there are wondering the exact same thing. I don't know if we could have a January big enough to help us right now. Is it time for Frank to go? And if it is, who do we look to bring in? We've still got over half the season and aren't actually in the bottom three right now, but I don't see us staying up. Well, we could be in the bottom three tomorrow if the fixtures tomorrow go a certain way. Um and if they don't, David Moyes will be available. It's two big questions. Sorry. Where do we go from here? And is it time for Frank to go? So I think Neb's response to this is is partially mine. So
0: unless Philwell gets to pick a replacement, I'm not sure. Because that's the thing. Look, I'm not advocating firing Frank necessarily. I think there is plenty of resume to suggest or evidence to suggest he should be fired. I mean, the numbers would indicate he should. However, I recognize the squad's very unbalanced. Not all of that is his fault. I mean, what do you do with those fullbacks? Some of the back lines on him. He chose to bring these guys in. I mean, short-term loans have got to be the manager's call ultimately. Um, but his comment is, you know, Moshirio Billy will mess it up further, probably appoint someone like Conavaro on January 30th. And and Nev's right, because we have a chance here, truly. And you would think Moshiri at some point would be like, wow, this is an abject disaster. I mean, just look at the place since he took over. It's like seventh, seventh, tenth, you know, like twelfth, sixteenth, and now we're heavily treading downward. Anyone with any analytical mind would realize we are probably the worst team in the league. Um, so you would think at one point he'd be like, Bill, you got to retire. Or he'd at least say, look, let let the football guy do the football stuff. I
1: mean, I can't believe he hasn't said this already. Well, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Ryan, you you hit on it. You said, okay, this is the first time in Brighton's history that they've been better than us for any, any period of time. A lot better than us. A lot better, yes. And it's not just... Brighton I mean Brentford's better side than us right now there's plenty of sides that have come up and and how does this happen how do these plucky little teams come up from the lower divisions and how do they displace the giant Everton biggest club in the country eventually
0: the smart guys win and girls they win that's the the point even with the economic disparity now what eventually happens is the big rich clubs buy the smart kids and they win that's yeah. what the FSG did. Now you see some cracks in that because the FSG have lost some guys. But look, Newcastle. Do you think it's a coincidence that they stole the director of football from Brighton with all the money they have? No. You think those guys are out there like managing the football side of the house? The Saudis? Right. <laughs> Come on, man. Of course they're not. So, um, you think you would wise up and do that? And Kevin Thelwell is a very qualified guy, and I like him. But um, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. You know, and um. I think so, Mike. So I went back and forth a little bit, too, with Mike at Wombat underscore combat, as well as Everton FC Brazil. uh, Both accounts that I like a lot. Um, I like what Mike said, because he kind of responded to Sean Lunt on this one, too. You know, both the manager and the club can be awful at the same time. It's not just one or the other. Lampard is clueless and our club has run terribly. That's a little harsh, but okay. Good clubs can get past bad managers and good managers can save bad clubs, but both can't be bad at the same time like us. And here's the thing. I actually don't think Frank is that bad of a manager. But if you're not going to have a very good team, boy, you got, i mean, you really have to have someone. And maybe he's not the right manager, too. Um, you know, and I, I think what he added to, one of the comments he added to, and I, I won't necessarily read this one, he's like, only one can be replaced instantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. And I think you look at the predicament we find ourselves in and it's like, okay, I think we're all acutely aware of the higher up problems at the club board. Big problem, huge problem. We've known it for years. Manager can't, can't fix all of those things that are wrong with the board, but they can help solve some of the immediately pressing problems. And the question you have to ask, well, has Frank helped make us better in any way? And part of it, we'll get to it in a second is the players, but it feels like he's not feels like he has not done anything to make us a better footballing side. You look at, and that's what Everton FC Brazil basically said here. Of course, the
0: deepest problems are related to the board and how the club has been run the last decades. But in terms of football only Lampard hasn't delivered anything positive to keep his position at the club. And I I think that's it, James. Right. And so objectively speaking, objectively speaking um, that,
1: I mean, it's just how it is, regardless how you feel or like Frank, yeah. And remember, we're not that far removed from a year ago. Lampard in being spray painted on Goodison Park, if I remember. It feels like a bit of a fever dream, but people really wanted this guy for no apparent reason other than the fact that he's British and was a good player. Yeah, that's kind
0: of what we said, too. I didn't think he well, and especially and look, look well, hey, look, I mean, go ahead. I don't think he was the right selection to to, to kind of get us out of relegation i mean i i think that was a, our big strong point on the pot right um, Yeah,
1: and and look there are good things about frank lampard they're yep. definitely objectively good things he brings as a manager but right now run of form last if you take our last 11 games one of those is crystal palace you remove that four goals scored 20
0: conceded and that's what? a pal side without chick to cory was like the most important player for them i'll also say this Here, here's my thing how much do you think influence frank has had on the recruitment because this team has been gotten decidedly more english and let me clear what i'm saying here that is not a bad thing i'm not that's not what i'm saying so please don't come at me like oh the american hates you you're gonna have the i know and england (laughs) right everyone (laughs) hates me now let's pick another country i can bag on you know like that i've been to (laughs) you know um yeah i I, that's not what i mean but but there is there's some changes that go with that and and that is a cultural shift But I think it's very difficult to do from a recruitment standpoint at Everton. So, like, I I use the example of James Garner a lot. James Garner could be a very good player eventually. Um, I'm skeptical of that, but he could be. It's not crazy. He's very young, very talented. He was... You know, transfer market will tell you it's about 10 million pounds. I, I honestly don't know how much we paid for him. But if it's any like that, I mean, that's basically what Enzo Fernandez got paid by Benfica. And someone's now going to pay, pay like 100 million pounds for him now, which I think that's its own level of stupid. But the point I'm trying to make is that you look at a guy like Moises Casido who just absolutely killed us today. He was four or five million. Like like you have to be you have to realize if you can't compete with those clubs, especially in a fi, if you're in a financial fair place, stuck it like bad point. You've got to find intelligent ways to buy players. And English players are just infinitely more expensive. And and you look at two guys we brought in, Mope and, and McNeil, who I don't think are bad players. I don't think at all, actually. But, I mean, you, you moved to guys that had already had experience in the Premier League and there were some other offers out there. So was that Frank's influence? I'm not sure. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we can know. But, I mean, obviously, we've talked about it. He should be in the loop on who we're recruiting, but he should not be the one deciding any long-term decisions. Well, he's clearly he not it.
0: reporting the director of football, though. I mean, that, that's the difference. And, and that's that's the thing. Like we've said a million times in the pod, director of football has to hire both because he's the right. one who has to make the recruitment work for the manager and hold them both accountable. You can't do that if you're not the boss of both. So
1: anyway, I, I think the real question is this. Is he underachieving? Because I look, you can say what you want, but the talent isn't great. No, it's not. It's not. And, and we had this conversation on the Discord earlier today. You know, someone said, I think we're comfortably not in relegation so 15th or up it's like okay are, are there five squads on paper that are significant worse or significantly worse than us no god no no not. i mean in healthy
0: maybe but i mean no matter if you are healthy or not you got to play the right guys too like you're i
1: mean how can you, you play I mean, if you babies. take the first 15 like first 11 and then four or five subs off the bench i mean we're if even fully healthy
0: now, man. Yeah, that's James, you got it. Like, even the low end te- I mean, how much money did Forrest spend? And they have some good play. Like, you're telling me Brendan Johnson wouldn't walk into this side? I mean, of course he would. Like, I just and we didn't and we haven't spent any money, you know? We spent yeah. money on midfield, which is fine, but that midfield didn't look functional today. It didn't. Um no, and, and so look, I mean, I, I think so. Mitch at up the toffees eleven. Utter shambles, Everton in real danger, Frank and substantial danger, too paradoxically managing to underachieve with the worst squad than we stayed up with injuries a big asterisk but that is a concern right I don't think this team is better than the team we had last year talent wise I mean we made a bunch of moves we talked about this on the pod where we we invested in some younger players like a guy like Dwight McNeil isn't that young 23 but he's played at a totally different style for years now even if he came up with Manchester United like that's a big adjustment for him. A lot of people sure. just think that it's a massive adjustment moving leagues. Well, not necessarily. It can be just as big an adjustment moving within the league. I, I think. Um, totally.
1: Yeah. If, if the style of play changes dramatically, and like, you know, we are to some extent in a lot of games still playing hoofball, which Dwight McNeil will be familiar with, but it's still a big change for him. And he's also, I mean, this is really one of the first games we've seen him on the right, but it's i do well,
0: there i mean i like why was he acquired where is the disconnect between frank and recruitment i was right. under the impression he was acquired so i think he has potential as a right-sided player but you knew that was going to take time so you bought right. him what why why did you flip him back over the, what is going on with him you're not doing him any favors either
1: no there's no clear like we bought this player to fill this role and we're going to use him in this role it is we maybe bought this player to play in this role but we'll play them all over the place and just see kind of and, how it goes. And look, I'm okay with being adaptable. I think that's really important. You got to sure. adapt a little bit. Right. And I think it's, you also good have to have he's... a vision. Yeah, You also have to have a vision. Yeah. And how I how many
0: times have we said that? Yeah. And I think Frank wants to play in a certain expansive way, which I appreciate. And I think we should be ambitious at his club and not play this kind of hoofball stuff. But then you, then you have a back line of Tarkowski and Cody. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I like NXT Blue's comment here, James. I don't know what you think about it, because it kind of, it kind of leads into the next one, which is a big, a big comment. So I'm curious. Th- these are interesting yeah, takes that I want to talk about.
1: Yep. So NTX Blue 1878 says significantly better management makes slightly better players much better than ours.
0: I mean, that's and- a deservey Lampard comment. Hashtag Lampard out. But I think it don't you feel like that that comment kind of feels bigger, doesn't it? It does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Better, just better management beyond just the, on the pitch stuff. I think it goes even higher than that. And we have, you know, we stole this. This is totally not tweeted at us, but I I was reading Paul, the S Twitter feed the other day, and he was getting into some uh, back and forth with some folks. And the comment that he makes is, is a damning one. If true, uh, I, I trust Paul. I think both of us do. He's been a friend of the show and he's typically doesn't throw a lot of BS around It's And, so and he's, he's said, not saying this is him saying it too, to be fair. Right, right. He's just reporting what someone said to him. We don't know who it is, but someone in football. So he said, I have it on good authority from someone in the football industry that the review, being the strategic review, found the club, quote unquote, basically fine and well run. I can't not laugh at that. Yet the review is now being lauded as a reset or indeed, quote unquote, master plan. If there was any accountability, the review would be published. And that that one, I think the last comment. Is a fair one from Paul. If oh, there I- was any accountability or transparency from this leadership group, what is the harm of? Hey, here's the investigation we did. Here's the steps we took, and here's what we found. If you do a thorough investigation and maybe you find that okay things are well run, well prove it. Prove the investigation. Don't just say this is the this is the turning point. This is what we've needed for years. This is the big review or changing direction. Everything's going to be fine. Let's let's show your work. Basically, you know, like in school math, teachers say t- show your work this is that
0: i've got a kid i know it um (laughs) well no and i'll 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 point to just the concept of being a consultant like the best person to give an objective review on how things are going for you is someone that that is at least an arm's length away so who did the review and and so look the review is now being lauded his comment as a reset or indeed master plan well then fine if you don't want to publish the findings publish the publish generic findings and publish the plan what's the plan like that's sh- what's wrong with letting that know, uh, letting you know that at the highest level. So to me, to me, I don't know of any third party team that we really brought in to hire. Otherwise, you would advertise it as such, right? I mean, that's what big companies do all the time if they want to fire totally. a bunch of people.
1: It's they bring in a consultants
0: <laughs> and blame it on them,
1: basically. It's not groundbreaking by any stretch. No,
0: no, and that's how change management is affected. You know, in many ways, it's easy because you can point to, you know, McKinsey or Deloitte or whoever you know Boston consulting group and say hey these guys are smart dudes they're objective they told us what the issues are and that's also if you truly want to understand what's wrong too so yeah i mean i could see a lot of people i would be very skeptical of this if and and what i don't understand is there's no engagement with the board like how how does someone who's like a a shareholder and I, i believe paul is one like how does he engage i mean he has a vested interest in this club and a financial interest in this club to a certain extent um how does he even engage with these people? Because Farhad's not communicating. He, he sent a letter like months ago, but that's it. So fine. Where's Bill? Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, if you're the chairman of the board and you're there every day, why are you not out in front of the press? It's not fair to put Frank in front of everyone. That's not fair at all to him. How can he answer questions? Or Kevin should be up there. Like, how can he answer questions? And this is why Marcel wouldn't get in front of the press, because he wasn't fully accountable and wasn't able to be in that role. Right, so I, I think I think that that's part of the issue here. There's no transparency, and thus naturally people are going to speculate and think about things. And and it's uh, just as an owner, how can you want this? I know is away, but how is Bill? Like t- he has to be stressed out of his mind. Isn't he too old for this garbage?
1: Uh, I'm too old for this garbage. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> I'm so sick of this man. And yeah, it just feels like it's all smoke and mirrors. There's no oh. transparency. They don't really want. They want to release enough to, it's a PR exercise. They release it, think it makes them look good, doesn't actually solve any problems or address any, or like even propose any real solutions. It's just let's keep on doing what we've been doing. And we don't know. We don't know the extent to which Kevin Thelwal has had an influence. We, you know, they released this big thing after his first, whatever, 250 days in charge. I can't remember exactly, but. He's done all these things, hired all these new folks. And yeah, those things are good for the day to day footballing operations. But the bigger picture is still so bleak and we don't have a clear direction or messaging. Even there's no message. Even, there's
0: no I don't even know what his remit is like. We don't even have that explanation of roles or responsibilities, really. I mean, I, I don't know right. how him and Fra- I mean, they get along great. That drives me crazy. They, they shouldn't have to get along. great. What are you talking about? Like, he's supposed to bring them in.
1: Like, they don't
0: need to like get tells, along. Frank right? comes
1: in, tells a good knock-knock joke, they laugh, I, and then right, Frank goes th- about his day.
0: That's not... It shouldn't be necessary. That That's missing the point, frankly. The fact that that has to be, oh, thank God they get along. What? That is not proper footballing structure. So I think part of the issue, too, is I don't think people realize quite how bad this team is. Um, and because the peripheral numbers are so bad. Like, we did the team assessment. I mean, you, you and I Just, just go saying. listen. Oh, the whole time. I mean, Alex was like looking at this like oh my god you guys is this real like he was kind of the test bunny on it a little bit and he just was like oh my god is this horrible and you know alex gets into numbers and stuff like that too but like so here's a good example and I'm, i don't mean to pick on colton here um but colton guesser uh the real sea wagon that's pretty funny actually and his comment is embarrassing how you have such a great performance on the road at one of the best teams in the world and have the performance you just witnessed at home this has been a long time coming. Sacking managers left and right isn't the answer. When are we going to look at the players? So, so Neb has a response here, but I, I have my own. Um, we got destroyed at City. I mean, City d- shot themselves in the foot a little bit, but I'm sorry. We were totally dominated. We had one miracle shot by Gray, which is a moment of brilliance, and one slip up from them. But it was total domination otherwise. I mean, let's not fool ourselves and say this was some miraculous, amazing performance or anything. I mean, it was fine. We showed some bottle and toughness, but we got very, very lucky. And I think that's part of the problem in this
1: concept. When are we going to look at the players? We
0: look at the players all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think there's this tendency for, for some people, whoever you may be, maybe you are one of these folks, maybe you're not. But I'd notice there's a tendency of people to just conflate performance and result we got a we got a point against city so it was an amazing performance well it was a great result because we had one real realistic shot and we scored it and we got a draw but the performance overall was not that good you look at all the numbers yeah city are amazing it's great that we got the point it's so good but i mean you saw the xg you saw the shot numbers dominated in almost every aspect and you can skate by for a little while on those sort of miracle flukes and you can get a few points a season from miracle Damari Gray shots. I mean it's two seasons in a row now that we've done yeah, it. Yeah. You're not gonna really always save yourself by on the last, you know, second to last match day of the season on a miracle comeback. Like you can't count on those sorts of fluky things to get you through. You have to be consistently performing well. And as we just said in the squad assessment, the performance indicators, the advance some of the underlying numbers indicate that we've in a lot of respects been overperforming so far this season, um, especially on defense by a lot. I mean, it's not, I
0: mean, we are a total anomaly and we're seeing it now. Like it's coming right back to earth, which of course it was going to, it's not sustainable. Yeah.
1: It's just math. Folks. <laughs> and I, and I, I think it's, that's
0: very, and I think that's lucky. That's, that's worked in Frank's favor a little bit. I'll tell you what, ever since Frank came out and said, Hey, said I was going to be fired and we'd be in the relegation zone. The, the moment he said that it has been, Poof. But the one thing I also don't like is attacking players individually that are just not being put in position to succeed either. Like everyone trashing Dwight McNeil. Like, I'm sorry, you're really devoid of circumstance. People are saying, well, we replaced Richarlison with McNeil. No, we didn't. Why do people say ridiculous crap like that? And the other thing, too, like, Mope is a disaster. What a terrible signing. He's awful. You know, play Tom Cannon or Ellis Sims. I mean that's the other one. I know I harp on this all the time, but the other thing is too. Some of these players succeed in certain environments. These aren't we're not playing necessarily to their strengths. So, um, and you and, can and,
1: argue <laughs> it wasn't the best buy. Like a Mope wasn't the best buy because of the style that we want to play. Yeah, like we hoping yeah, it to him every Whatever game. That probably is. isn't how you're going to get the right. Who knows what that is? But right, well, well, hoofing no, it long to him every game is not going to get the best out of a player like Neil
0: Mope. And look, it's a little tricky because Frank has that he wants to establish a style of play, but you know there's going to be a transitionary period because. The team necessarily can't do that. That being said, what identity do you see when you look at all the players that we acquired? So, so let's, let's take, to be fair for a second, let's look at this and say, okay, who is Everton brought in under Frank's watch? Mope, McNeil, Onana, Gana, Onana, Tark, Cody. So look at those guys. Do those guys seem like they can play in kind of a coherent setup?
1: They seem Definitely like not like a, not a, not a, cohesive possession fluid type of side Ghana
0: and Onana I see that That, yeah that makes sense to me like those guys can hound the ball keep the ball very good at retaining the ball for sure both those two guys very good I mean McNeil's a little sloppy with the ball at times um retention can be okay yeah okay you know um Mope's not really like that. I mean, he played in a great possession side at Brighton, but he was on the tail end of the ball, you know, finisher right. and creating chances. And his movement's great, but he's he needs to play in a team that has the ball. And you got to know that we're not But Tarkowski. He's not a possession-based center back and he's he's not particularly good in space and Cody is great on the ball, but he can't defend in space. So you can't push up higher, so you can't be together. I mean, you can't play possession football even if he's great on the ball so i i see some kind of confusion in there about the only thing i see that's consistent is that um every one of those guys with one exception had premier league experience already and i just i don't i don't i mean i I get that you want to i just i don't know if it's the right way to go but none of them were a massive spend the only one that was was Onana. Garner's the other acquisition. Again, English. I mean, they're all almost all, you know, Premier League experience English players. So I don't know. I just again England's gonna hate me now. I don't mean it that way at all. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if that's an identity to me. Like the player stylistically, I don't see. Garner, Garner a little bit, because I think he wants a deeper player that can get on the ball better. But I, I don't know if that's right either. He's not great with ball control. He can't dribble at all. And he could pass,
1: but he's just a kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I, he's totally. not a six to me either. So, like, I feel like you've got a bunch of eights now and you lost the who I think is the perfect guy to get on the ball. So right. I I don't
1: know. And and I don't know what to do with Tom Davis. We, we, no, so, okay. we, we cut, a, cut a lot of wages, but we didn't upgrade on enough areas for a team that was so close to the drop. It was risky. And we didn't spend the money. We, and we don't have it seems like we don't have the money to spend, which is a whole other question we can get into. But that, yeah,
0: it is. That uh, is the big thing. Well, put it this way. Do we think sacking the manager and
1: bringing someone else helps or, or hurts? Uh, at face value, like just sacking Frank and bringing in a manager doesn't help. I think sacking Frank and hiring a better manager, better fit, but I don't know what, I don't know what our vision is. And so it's hard to say who would be a good fit. And it's also, it is, you know, we talked about like when we hired the guy who shall not be named, we have two of them. We'll say him, Sam Allardyce. We hired him out of fear of relegation. Yeah, We knew we were getting there. We hired him out of fear of relegation, and we were in so much better, so much of a better position than we find ourselves.
0: We are three points out of ninth. We're right. twelfth, tied for twelfth. I think Tyberg put us thirteenth, and we were not really that much in danger. I also, by the way, I do not believe that that style of play means you you get safe like i don't buy that philosophy at all some people do i I think you buy you bring in the manager that can get the most out of the talent in the now rather than building someone that you eventually kind of aspire from an identity standpoint so it doesn't matter what that style of play necessarily in my opinion we do have to be better in the back i mean you got to defend some though i'm not i'm not suggesting you don't um (laughs) Rafa was. I mean, look. This basically, you want to point to the downfall of Everton Football Club is going against all the football people last summer and bringing in Rafael Benitez. You could argue Carlo Ancelotti and the recruitment changes really hurt us too. Progression. We're
1: disruptive. We're disruptive. And we said that on the television. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We said that on the pod. I said you're trying to go with the shortcut. It's not going to work. You're, we don't think you're going to make Europe with this side. They're not that good. And we got struck with injuries again, and we really didn't make it. We were in it for a while, though, and it was fun for a little bit. But it was a try to shortcut. It you, sp- you spent too much money. You shortcut it. People complained about Carlo being bad. We got 59 points of this team. Are you kidding me? So but beyond <laughs> that. So, who, who, I mean, who do you bring in? Like you look at the guys that are available that are on freeze now. My feeling I'm with Neb. I, my concern is that Bill's going to try and play hero again, and he'll bring in Roberto Martinez. Or David Moyes, if he gets sacked, and these guys are not the answer to me at all. Nope. I think there's a lot of evidence that suggests this game, the game, has gone by these guys a little bit. I don't know what Roberto Martinez has done since Everton to merit any sort of major job. Control. I don't think he's gotten the best out of that Belgian
1: Uh No, I mean, based on it, even those recent evidence, you'd argue no. And it it all just reeks of a misplaced nostalgia for. Time's gone by. This is a totally different league than when David Moyes was managing. Can you I mean, go back, James? People talk about plucky little Everton. Can you we go back, have, James? You can't go back. Just, you can't go back.
0: I don't think you can. I just It never seems to work,
1: does it? The second time, it's just there's you can't recapture the magic. And, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a totally different league. You can't just go for the nostalgia hire, hope it buys you some goodwill with the fans and maybe get you safe. I just I don't buy into that rationale that logic but it feels like that is exactly what our board would do if it comes to
0: that so look there are some guys out there that are big names but at this point i feel like this isn't carlo ancelotti coming a couple years ago no. i mean walking low isn't coming here i don't think ponchettino's <laughs> not coming here i don't think uh, luis Enrique's <laughs> a terrible fit um thomas tuchel seems like he probably wouldn't come either so um i mean ronald coin is <sighs> still there I'm going down the list. I'm just kidding. Who
1: Re- is pitching? Who is making this pitch? <clears throat> who is pitching? I, I don't Kuchel even know. Everton. I don't project. even
0: know. So, so, okay. Gerardo C from Leverkusen got fired this year. He was supposed to be the next great thing in, in, in coaching. You've got like Ruben Amorim at sporting. I, I don't think we can lift him. Uh, I love Diego Martinez at Espanol, but he just got hired there. Is that, um, Bordeles is out there. He's on a free Ralph from Southampton. I mean, I, I don't, <sighs> That scares me because that style of play, I don't think is. One We're not suited win. for that. No, and yeah. Bielsa, too. Like, I love Marcelo Bielsa, but he just doesn't seem like. I love it for the U.S. national team.
1: Um, First of all, our whole team would tear their hamstrings <clears throat> within like three oh, days of training.
0: I know. But but you start getting other guys and you think about it like Peter Boz. Eh, um, who else is out there? Villabos is still out there. My goodness. Wow. Marcelino is out there, too. I'll tell you what. His style of play makes sense. Adi Hutter was a big name. I mean, there are some guys out there, Dr. Martino, no, <laughs> but there are some guys out there that are accomplished coaches, probably have had a little more success, objectively speaking, based on spend and other things than Frank. So I, I think there are, there are some options there. Um, if something does happen, I mean, we'll definitely do a little research and put a list together again. I, I, I don't I don't buy the fact, Sean Dice is the one that a lot of people are saying, and I just don't. Yeah mozzarazzo bringing the american you know i i don't i don't know um i do think there are plenty of options out there and i think it is i would argue it's probably likely because it's easy to do i think
1: i, I to just to say see the back of frank don't fresh you start you buy yourself some more time if you're the board you get the goodwill of the fan base for a number of weeks and yeah i mean it, i i put out a tweet a couple hours ago i said if if we fire him after this two weeks after we just came back from a six week or not even not even two two full weeks two games back into the Premier league season after giving him six weeks to plot and scheme with Thelwell and work with the team in training I mean that's up there with the dean thing almost to like not take the not take the opportunity when you had the time to make a more calculated decision and then you're who's the interim manager well he's gonna take his whole staff for them
0: yeah and 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 like i said before i mean uh, to me well i i don't know if it's the right or wrong thing to do but what's the basis because we've been watching this team play without success a long time i mean getting lucky with results is ignorant and that's the issue too i mean it's like when brighton decided to keep thomas frank at one point you know they they're like the underlying performance is still good the table lies because they had their vision, they had their fair performance measures. And by the way, that's what happens when you have a strong football lead. You'd have you'd have a Kevin Thelwald that's like, okay, look, the points are hard. Like that's fluctuates, goals get scored like the Wolves match. We didn't deserve to lose that, but we did. We didn't deserve to win the Man City match. Those things happen. Small sample sizes, football's a crazy game. But what are what the are underlying friends? what are the underlying we, performance measures? What do we care about as a club? And you hire a coach to implement those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just that's that's it and you got to let the football guys do that. He knows how to do that. He was with Red Bulls, the most identity crazed club. He literally took a New York team that wasn't showing the Red Bull identity and turned them into a Red Bull team from a recruitment standpoint. So, do we think there's a an ounce chance if Frank goes that they're going to let Kevin make the decision? What do you think?
1: At this point, I just have to hold out hope. I just have to. I think if if no lessons have been learned after all of this, you'd think the lesson would have been learned maybe even after Carlo. Certainly after, you know, even after Ronald Koeman, the lesson should have been learned. If it hasn't been learned by now, there's no hope. You know, here's here's my issue. Bill
0: can very easy point and say, you guys got it wrong. We told you not to hire Rafa. You did. That was our downfall. And and I know, you know, Frank was even his guy, because I think, no. you know, rumor was he wanted Roberto Martinez. So, I mean, Where'd don't we think if we had...
1: Vitor Pereira,
0: right but now. I, I think we'd be fine to be perfectly <laughs> wise because that guy's a nut job. Um, but no, I, I, so my thought is that he may end up being empowered by all of this and pointing to it. Now that being said, he should, I know James's head's going back. He's about ready to shoot himself in the space. That being said, anyone should be able to look at this side, see the failures at fullback. And these guys are not washed up. They're young players. I don't mean it that way. And say, who did the recruitment in January? How's Deli Ali doing? That, that alone is fireable grounds. The structure of that contract is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So, and the thing is, if you're going to change managers, you have to do it. You can't do what we did with Dean and Rafa. You've got to do it now because you're in a recruitment phase where you have two loans and you need to get impact players with loans. So you have to get coaches there that can recruit guys to come in or want to spend five, six months and do it. There's some guys out there. Can you get them? Some of these guys might want to play for Frank, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, totally fair. And I think we'll, you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, Frank will we'll have been sacked. We don't know. We do have a lovely match, <laughs> FA Cup tie against Manchester United at Old Trafford on Friday after they absolutely throttled Bournemouth. Yeah, and by the way, we're getting helpful results
0: here, by the way, too. Like, yeah. Leicester has been better, but they lost. I mean, you know, so it, we're getting a little luck even in that.
1: So stay with us, folks. We will be continuing to follow the situation as it develops. This one went long, but I feel like it was very cathartic for me to record. Hopefully Ryan feels the same. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed the show, as always, rating, review, podcast platform of choice helps us out. Links in the description for social media. Join our Discord, ATP. We'll be with you guys next time. Until then, up the toffees.